I'm Sarah and I am the chair of Coventry Cultural Education Partnership and I'm also the director of Highly Sprung, a small arts organisation based in Coventry and committed to children and young people's development. And you are listening to CSEP's brilliant podcast, a podcast brought to you by CSEP, the Coventry Cultural Education Partnership. And for those of you who don't know or who are asking what is CSEP, well, it's a group of brilliant people committed to children and young people in Coventry. And we work with an even more brilliant collection of cultural champions in schools, arts organisations and the heritage and culture sector across the city to ensure that every child and young person in Coventry has the opportunity to experience cultural learning opportunities that enable them to flourish, to thrive and to be optimistic about their futures. We've created this podcast series to bring together some brilliant people to talk about some of our most important topics, to better connect teachers, creatives, cultural organisations and more, to allow us to be inspired, to learn and to grow from each other. These podcasts have been made to celebrate some of the work that's happening in Coventry, but we're sure that the themes and topics that we're going to discuss are going to be relevant across the sector nationally. We're going to hear from a panel of experts discussing their experiences in education, from their major successes right through to the mistakes they've learned from, so that we can all be more brilliant, spread our impact further and help make children's lives better. In increasingly difficult times, young people need their well-being supported more than ever. In today's episode, our guests will be discussing the subject of well-being and the role that arts and cultural partnerships play in supporting young people to thrive, feel safe, grow and express themselves with more confidence. We hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned to the end to find out how you can get involved in helping us to make sure that Coventry is a place where all children and young people can be brilliant. We are joined today by another incredible room full of wonderful people who are here today to talk to us about their experience and their work in Coventry with children and young people. So could we just take a moment to go around and introduce ourselves and say a little bit about what you do? Do you want to go first, Sarah? I'm Sarah Grove and I work for Grapevine. I'm currently leading the Team Vine Plus project, which is a project for young people aged 13 to 18 with special educational needs and disabilities in Coventry. Hello, my name's Kyla Craig. Um, I set up Art Riot Collective CIC um, just over a year ago. We specifically um, support neurodiverse and disabled um, artists of all ages to um, develop their creative practice and connections. And I'm Kerry Harvey and I'm a creativity and wellbeing facilitator out in the community and I also um, run the Starfish Collaborative which is a community interest company that focuses on creativity and wellbeing. See I said they were wonderful people. Um, I think when we at CSEP started to think about what we wanted our podcasts to focus on. I don't think we could avoid the conversation about the well-being of our children and young people, particularly at a point where we've seen them face some of the biggest challenges of their life with lockdown and the continued sort of problems with isolation and 
I think we've we've seen confidence take a bit of a hit. Um, and we thought it was a really important time to have conversations about how arts and cultural partnerships are really helping to develop a better sense of well-being in our children and young people. And one thing that really struck me, I, I had the opportunity to work with somebody last week who was in her late 80s and was somebody who'd been through an enormous amount of challenge in their lives. And she said to me, food can fe feed our hunger, but arts feeds our soul. And I think that was really sort of resonant uh, to me and really made me think, yeah, the arts does play a really powerful role in helping to make us feel better and helping us co communicate and connect with other people. And I know that that is central in all of your work. So I just wondered if you could take a moment to to talk to us a little bit about how you came into your work and kind of how you position arts and culture as central to well-being in the, with the people that you work with. I can go first. I, I guess I'll put this in straight away and say I really struggled at school. Um, I uh, found primary school very difficult. I found secondary school even more difficult. And by the time I was kind of in my early teens, I was really struggling with my mental health. Um, and so I did manage, I got very much involved. I, I felt very creative. I wasn't necessarily artistic, but I was creative. So I had lots of ideas, lots of problem solving, lots of suggestions about things. And I think at that point in time nobody would have identified that as maybe having a creative mind because it was more about being artistic um, but when I left secondary school I um, got involved in performing arts and then I got, got some work I trained I specialized in theatre for young people and physical theatre approaches which were very much around devising and somebody telling their own stories and sharing information cultural um, exchanges experiential exchanges life stories and then then I worked where I was touring with these pieces of theatre around schools and educational environments and in theatres. And the, th the, the game changer for me, Sarah, was that with that package of work where I toured with people, we had to run workshops. And that was my first introduction to recognising this transformative effect that a um, young person or a person of any age could experience if they were introduced to arts and creativity in a really person-centred, facilitated way, um, rather than it being taught to them necessarily, that it was almost about how can you connect with your creativity. Um, and that for me was kind of like a, a life-changing moment, really. It, it transformed my journey from wanting to be a performer into wanting to be a facilitator. Mm. That really resonates with me, actually, the idea that in school our perception of creativity is very different. And I think for a lot of the young people that we have started to work with over this past year at Art Riot Collective, um, it's that it's that different way of engaging in, 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 in creativity and that freedom and the non-descriptive or, um, you know, expectations of you have to produce something like a vase or something finished. Um, so, yeah, I really, really hear you there. And I think school schools can be really hard for people and creativity is quite often the thing that isn't... Um, put at the forefront of um, uh, mainstream education. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, th I, I think, um, you know, the amount of times... Uh, Kyla and I have worked together a few times over the last year with uh, the young people uh, on our project and um, the amount of times we've heard, I'm not creative, mm. I can't draw, 
yeah. I can't paint. Yeah. And, the, you know, and they're very kind of, that's just, that's not me. And then when you give them the room to explore and the room to experiment and perhaps get something completely wrong and it's fine and you take all that pressure away, you find out that they're incredibly creative yeah. and they realise that, oh, I, I have lots of ideas and I'm very... And you see this moment and it's absolutely priceless when you see this moment and you see it switch on. And they might not take that any further, but they take that confidence into the other areas of the third life. Is this where we plug that those young people have had a successful submission into the Coventry Open? That's where we plug that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so we've done a few sessions, as Sarah said, at Art Writer Collective, where the young people have specifically asked to come and explore a particular medium or theme. Um, this particular session was around anime so the young people um, came into the studio and we try and work together and think about what will work best for those young people so this particular time we rolled out the paper and we used projectors and lots of colour and lots of like working together and kind of there was no right or wrong way and you could add a bit of colour here or splash a bit of paint there or one young chap just got his brush and went from one side of the paper to the other you know and all the other young people were like ah oh, what's he doing but actually it worked really well um, and then um, we photographed it an accessible day that the Herbert uh, facilitated at Art Riot and um, the submission was successful and it's an amazing piece of artwork and to see that journey of those young people and the built the confidence the kind of just brightness you know the actual pure joy really yeah. um in that process is just really brilliant and their faces when they saw it on the wall they knew it was on the wall at the herbert they knew that's why we were coming to the private viewing um but yeah jaw drops actually happened as they walked in the room and they saw their work Check. on the wall and when they saw their little plaque next to it with teen ryan on it and uh, i've got a brilliant video because one of the young people brought their um their brothers along and their brothers are going that's his work that's his work and, and you know so the whole family benefited from it and you know the younger siblings are now looking up to their older sibling who they're normally fighting with you yeah. know so that was just a really lovely outcome that we kind of didn't expect we didn't go into that mm. um that with that the idea of let's enter this into a competition it was uh, it was it was a fun experiment and it was a chance for sort of half of the young people in the group who were interested in anime and knew their really knew their stuff about anime were showcasing that knowledge to the other half of the young people who'd never come across it before um so yeah yeah but i think i think what's what's really worked and one of the reasons we're meeting today was because we've actually worked in partnership with each other and um, so we had a really great relationship because of our our joint um me working at grapevine before and we'd done a lot of stuff um, and that continued and then um the relationship we have here at the herbert so actually what we've done over the last year is is worked on all these things separately but actually um accessibility and and including young people um, especially those with education and health care needs and disabilities um, and we've wor worked together and and actually that that was the difference and I think if we hadn't have worked in partnership with the Herbert Art Riot 
we wouldn't have had the accessible day and we wouldn't have then linked the young people to that and they wouldn't have come and experienced that and submitted. Yeah. So I think it's really important that it all joins up within within the city, really. Yeah, and that brings me on perfectly to my next question, which is about the importance of partnerships that we have in our projects. And specifically, I think what is really profound in the work that all of you do is the impact that you have on improving well-being in children and young people. So I wondered if you could tell me about any specific projects, and you've given a really good example there, but any other projects that you have designed and how you really place well-being at the heart of that design and the way partnerships need to feed into that. It's really hard to define because lots of our projects are actually cross-generational, um, in that, and it's key, it's something that Sarah just referenced about including all the family and the wider community. So we do have, so we have had projects in the past and we currently have one which again links in with, with Sarah and what Carla was saying because we've just started running an anime club for young people um, and that is specifically for them. But our, our kind of partnership working uh, uh, projects for young people or anybody, any target group is always around not just those individuals, but how we involve everybody else. So the vision is always broader. It's almost like the experience of the young person from the moment they come into contact with us, be that through um, a signposting partner like Sarah or just a parent, I don't mean just a parent, sorry parents, um, <laughs> or, you know, a teaching staff or, or someone from any other kind of organisation that that person has this through line of experience with us um, and has like almost a, a sort of, key worker person not official key worker but they have one person within the organization that is their link all through it so the parent and the young person or the child will have that same person and then that person will be responsible for kind of disseminating all of that information I feel like I'm slightly waffling but I think my point is that um our most successful ones are where we're bringing, we've got this bigger picture of how can we then celebrate what the young person is doing on their own terms in the way that they wish it to be celebrated and how do we spread that word and spread that message to more people in the city. So I've we haven't got a particular one, but that's almost like a methodology, almost like an ethos of how we work across the projects. So even if it's a broader community one with the young people, we will still go, right, what's your part in it? How do you want to contribute? How do you feel safe to participate? What do you consent to sharing with the wider community? They're kind of the key stages that we take into account that we feel are almost like a baseline around well-being messages. Mm. Um, before we even talk about any challenges that anybody might have, it's just those well-being points that are there straight away. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where um, youth-led projects are incredibly exciting and satisfying because um, with, with Team Vine, uh, when... Our new people come on in September. The first thing that we do is have one-to-one -one conversations with them and then bring them together and have sort of mini group planning sessions. And we ask them what they want to have achieved by the end of the 12 months with us. You know, what do you want to have done? What do you want to have found out? And, um, and we set them well they set their own objectives either as a group or as individuals you know some people don't want to work in a group and that's fine um but for me you know I don't know what my year is going to look like until I've had those conversations in September so I 
am aware of so and this is why Coventry is great because there are so many partnerships to be had out there and there are so many people that I have yet to work with and every year I'm sitting there thinking I hope somebody says dance because then I can like get on the phone to Highly Sprung and get you in um but actually you know I'm led by what the young people want to do and I'm, I'm going to go off and find those things that they've highlighted um, and that's where those partnerships are going to come from it's going to come from their ideas and the well-being is embedded in that because they're being listened to and they're leading their own project and, and, and you know they have complete ownership of it and they'll laugh sometimes because we'll do things where I'm clearly like struggling to be interested in it and <laughs> and it shows and I you know and um, they make lots of old jokes at me and which is well deserved um and it's it's fine because they're like Sarah doesn't like this ha 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 um but it, that doesn't spo spoil their enjoyment and they're appreciative of the fact that you know we've put this on even though we don't fully understand it or we don't get it um and it just it creates a, a family really it you know it, it creates that sort of bond and they bond through it mm. so yeah I think I agree with um everything everyone says really and I think a part of our values are right are that um it when we do our, fa our fa are there family sessions rather than just focused on children and young people um it's been really successful working um alongside the holidays activities and food program run by the local authority um because first and foremost we're reaching those young people that are the most marginalized and often don't get to engage in a lot of the activities that are put on um but also we intentionally sought out um other organizations like let's anime ascension dance who are based in fargo village where we are um to work together so actually the young people get a really rich cultural and creative experience um so that's worked really well i really really want to build on our international partnerships and our national partnerships so already we work quite closely with project artworks and actually learning from leaders who are really um helping young people to engage in creativity um in the same way that we are um kind of led by the led by the young people and the children no expectations and pure that pure creativity really hitting the kind of sensory needs of young people with maybe more more complex needs so um yeah I think it's really exciting to think about um not just locally what our partnerships are but internationally and what I hear is a lot of um children and young people's that that we work with um, in the city don't go outside of the city, don't link with um, galleries um, outside the city, don't go on holiday and things like that. So I think it's really interesting to think about partnerships on a wider scale as well. Yeah, they do have a massive impact. We had um, last... Wow, I thought my brain has just gone dead for calendar times, but I think it was last year um, the Hope Collective came to Coventry um, and had a conference and there were young people from London, Nottingham, obviously Coventry because we were here. <laughs> um, and um, it was absolutely fabulous. And the the excitement in the room because of all, all of these young people from across the country mm. being brought together and realising that actually, you know, we've got the same goals here. And, uh, and they were all sent off to problem solve 
the UK's problems <laughs> um, and they went off into little rooms and came up with solutions for housing and benefits and violent crime and um, and it was really really inspiring to see how these young people can go into a room and not sit and ruminate on issues for two, and just go okay how do we fix this and come up with things uh, to, to actually fix it and again that was uh, that was a national mm. um, collaborative effort and it, it made them feel really really seen and heard and the feedback we got from the day from them they were buzzing they were absolutely buzzing that's great it, it sounds like one of the key partners that maybe we don't think of as a partner in all of this work is is the the venue the space where that work takes place and I think Kerry one of the projects that I was really interested in is the wonder while you wonder because you have used the outdoor environment to kind of be the the main feature of that project so I wonder yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely Sarah you're completely right the outdoor natural environment is a key partner for us as much as possible we get people out into green spaces and we try and get them out into their local green spaces firstly to build up confidence in that space and then provide them with opportunities to um, expand their horizons into other green spaces but yeah uh, we found I think um, you know prior to the pandemic for me I was already on my own personal journey around my mental well-being and physical well-being and the positive benefits that are you know physiologically happening within our body being outdoors and in green spaces um the vitamin d from the sun but also um the psychological impact of it for us what we found with um we started delivering outdoors before the pandemic and then strangely enough, although lots of awful things came out of the pandemic, you know, we, we were able to continue as an organisation because we'd already been practising outside and we were classed as a wellbeing organisation so we could carry on, which I was delighted to do. But um, what we found, feedback is, is that there's no door to walk through. There's no building to have preconceived ideas about or any anxieties about or any associations with already. Um, there's no ceiling. Um, lots of the young people that we work with, they comment on that they feel better outside. They can breathe. They've got space. Sensory-wise, they're not in a room where the noise is echoing. Um, there is enough space for somebody to go and have quiet time if they wish to. We actively encourage people in sessions to take time out and to just let us know. We want them to mo to model behaviour to each other that it's okay to go. Do you know what? I'm just having a moment, or I'm just feeling really overwhelmed. I, I can cope with this. I'm not going to fall apart. I'm just going to go and have a bit of quiet time because more and more people that we're working with are either either have a neurodiverse um, diagnosis or present with neurodiverse traits, adults and young people. And it seems to, even if they're not presenting with that, in terms of mental well-being, it just seems to be a key partner for us. So. There are sorry. Can I just say that obviously on a really rainy day or when it snows, it's not a very <laughs> yeah. good partner. But so I'm not suggesting everything's rosy out there, and there are lots of um, practical issues around it and problem solving. But yeah, it seems to be a really beneficial partner. We we find the same when we do. Um, so actually, we're we're due to start it in the next in the next few weeks. But um, every year we uh, go through a sort of city connection kind of 
experiment with our young people where we arrange to meet them at a bus stop and we get on the bus with them and they pay for their bus ticket and they go on the bus journey together into town and then we have like an hour or an hour and a half in town and um, we just wander around town like teenagers do um not that i'm a teenager but you get my point um and we go and we identify places where we feel safe you know we'll all go it's hilarious because i end up with you know x amount going to kfc x amount going to mcdonald's everybody goes and gets their food and then we go and find a quiet space outdoors where we can sit together and they love it and they they love that first of all the the freedom and the independence of going out by yourselves without Without, without your parents there and you're going out, going out with your mates. Um, but also that getting to know the layout of the city centre and getting to know where those places are in the city centre that feel safe, that I can pop into if I was here on my own for some reason, you know, then I know this particular shop or this particular coffee shop that they've served me in here before and I've said hello. And I, But like you just said, it is weather dependent. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, that's why we try and keep it to the summer months if we can. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it's great the outdoor stuff, but oh come on, UK weather! <laughs> Seriously, give us a break. Yeah. Um, yeah. In your projects, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, if if you have a kind of an approach to developing kind of a toolkit for young people to use, so that so that outside of your projects, outside of their contact time with you, they're kind of taking on what they've what they've got from the sessions and continuing to be able to use that in in their own lives to sort of continue their well-being journey I don't, I don't know um whether we've formulated a toolkit but there's definitely an approach and I think it leads on from the sort of point you were making about space before I think what we try to do right from early on is work with the whole family and the whole support network Um, from the Art Riot Collective Studio, which we very intentionally thought about what's in the space and and what we put in the space in those sessions. But um, we also think about Fargo Village as a site and the the organisations that are based there. And it's building that awareness um, of people and their differences and, um, and actually building their networks and connections. So I think it's kind of, I mean, I as you know I learned a lot from Grapevine in terms of we start everything with the right relationships and we build on that um so I think it's very intentional that approach um and but building awareness so that it's not just one organization in one place it's actually everywhere um understands what people need in order to thrive um there was a beautiful moment last week when we had an artist who brought his, brought their family to a show and the family, it's the first time they've seen their artwork, but also the first time they've seen them as an artist. And they couldn't, they, they said, you know, to, this, to the young person, how do all these people know you? Because it kind of like felt quite, you know, different for them. And, and, and how do you know this young person? And, and that would have, he's an artist, you know, and I just hearing that, it just felt really good. So I think with everyone that I work with, we share the same values and that's kind of like an unwritten toolkit. It's slowly educating and, and, and awareness for everybody yeah. that we, we meet. Yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't have particularly articulated it as a toolkit, but then it got me thinking. <laughs> and I guess it's part of almost like what are the main messages that we articulate. And our thing is, I guess, our 
premise is that we um, model that we're all co-learning. Mm. So for me, I think there's a great amount of well-being to um, feel when you feel like you've got something to offer and contribute. And I think a lot of young people, in the, because they're children and young people, can feel very disempowered, like they've got nothing to offer. So for us, it's always about we're co-learning, we're learning along with each other. I'm not the expert. So quite a lot of the time we will try something creative that I possibly haven't tried myself and I'm out of my comfort zone with them. I'm not, this is what I've been doing for years and it's very polished and I want you to try and do do what I've done. It's almost kind of like let's learn together and co-participate. Um, and then co-mentoring happens as well. And that as a feeling that I know from, myself it, it just feels really you can grow in that in that space so we do that I think we always as well say we take you as you are so come as you are if you're feeling you know whatever you're feeling whatever's with you bring it and it's not a kind of leave it at the door it's actually no it's okay you, if you're holding it you can bring it and we can cope with it mm. obviously if that needs to be privately or in a one-to-one -one, but it's almost like you don't have to mask you don't have to put anything on um and also you can cry we we like uh we we but crying is quite a big thing that once people get into a space where they recognize that it's it's okay to cry we kind of get people crying which I find absolutely fascinating because our bodies need it for our nervous system, which again is back to the science of well-being. Really about, um, yeah, what 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 our bodies need in terms of um, our nervous system. So, that, but those, but not to be afraid of that as well. It's okay to be vulnerable. You are safe. So I think they're the main messages that we sort of give people that when you're with us, you're safe, however you're feeling, and hopefully it kind of enables them to fly. Yeah. I, I would say um, that there are sort of a myriad of formal ways in which you can collect information. You know, we, we've all sort of done the old baselines forms where we tick a box to say one to ten. How do you feel about this? Um, and they can be useful, but, you know, let's face it, it very much depends on how you're feeling on the day. So if you're asking a young person to fill that in on a day, when it's their birthday, for example, everything's going to be a 10. Mm -hmm. um, and if you ask them to fill it in on a day when, you know, they've got told off in the morning for not doing the washing up or whatever, then you're going to get a much lower mark. And um, I think the same, you know, we've trialled things like journaling with them and the, uh, the, the creative ones who love to write love journaling. Um, but I would say, and this has kind of come as... And aside, it was something that happened without me realising it. The most feedback that I get is from their WhatsApp group that they added me to. <laughs> so um, I rarely, I only go in there every to, so often to sort of announce something to them or to give them some information. Um, but I get to look at, you know, what they're talking about. They know I'm in there, so they know I'm looking at it. But watching them talk to each other after a session and, you know, sometimes they'll say, I didn't like X. And I'm like, great, okay, I'm going to take a note of that. Um, but also looking at the way that over the last few months that they've started to speak to each other and how that has changed and the encouragement that happens in there. Um, somebody the other week um, lost confidence when they were going to sing and they were going to record themselves singing and at the last minute sort of froze up and didn't feel able to do it. And 
afterwards, later on in the evening, they text the chat and said to everybody, I feel really bad about that, that I lost confidence. And the whole group responded to them, you know, it's it's okay. You know, I felt like that too, or that's happened to me before. And then they all started sharing these stories with each other. And so it's kind of a twofold thing. So for me, I'm seeing their progress and I'm seeing their likes and their dislikes. And that WhatsApp group was never set up for that reason. That was purely set up so that I could say to them, six o'clock on Tuesday. Um, and yeah, so being privy to those conversations is something that's really valuable. Mm. Oh, it's peer support, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Amazing. That kind of leads me on to my next question because you've kind of almost got there, but I'm really interested to hear like a really a personal story that you might have of a what I'm calling a, like a golden moment. So a moment where you really saw change and uh, or a moment where you were really inspired or something happened that you didn't expect. But, but just those moments that we kind of live for in our careers where you go, wow, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant to say. Um, I think quite a lot of the artists that we work with have been on an incredible journey. Um, you know, I think when you see, you know, you shared the example of, you know, Teen Vine being really proud of their work, but it's also those smaller moments of um, seeing a parent actually for the first time um, realising that their, their child is, is being seen very differently and um, valued for their creativity and valued for their mark making and their contribution to the Art Right, Art right Collective. So it's, it's kind of like magic moments all the time. And we work with people, you know, um, that I've got a, a, a one person that could only manage to come for like 10 minutes maximum, if that. You know, sometimes the coat went off and went straight back on again. Um, and the um, and now we're at 40 minutes, you know, to an hour, and um, the person is, is sharing their work. So, you know, it's I feel like every day are moments of joy um, when we have the studio and we just allow people to be in that space and create on their terms and their you know volition so yeah, yeah very beautiful I, I completely agree with that Kyla. Yeah. I think just it is it's actually the little the things that an outside eye who hasn't been a part of hasn't been fortunate to be a part enough of someone's journey wouldn't spot it's just tiny little moments that you just um you know someone like you say just that extra minute or somebody you working out what somebody needs um is is magic it's absolutely key and it can be transformative just in being able to be there to to build that person to make that decision for themselves you know you're witnessing something special when you feel your eyes start to well up and you're like Ooh! i know that happened to Tears of joy. yeah that happened, <laughs> that happened to me and my colleague paul when we were um uh, there was a young person who was out with us who um had come out as trans probably about six months before and was having a really tough time with it and other young people within the group recognized them as their chosen gender and were referring to them by the correct pronouns and there was just this one moment where one other young person in the group went all right mate uh to this young person and there was just something in this this young person's eyes about like wow I'm being seen and Paul and I were just we both just looked at each other and kind of went 
<laughs> and um, we sort of turned away and he was like are you gonna go and I was like I'm trying not to and he was like don't go don't go let's just be cool be cool and um, yeah and that that was a special moment and the, but there was also like you said it's those micro we were out at a um a session recently and I've got a young person who when they first started working with us would not speak to anybody um in a shop for example wouldn't buy anything for themselves wouldn't go to a shopkeeper wouldn't just couldn't do it uh and then we were out uh at the mega bowl recently and uh I happened to sort of turn my shoulder and I was standing near the bar area. And when I turned around, this young person was at the bar buying themselves a Coke and, he, and looked over and waved at me. And I just waved back. And then I kind of had this realise, oh my, he's buying something by himself. And, um, and you know, he's covered in sweat because he's been running <laughs> around in Laser Quest. And uh, and it was just this this moment of ding, you know, that we've, we've got somewhere and, you know, he's you know he's really pushed himself and moved on and he doesn't even realize he's done it is the best part um but obviously you know we did sort of celebrate that and go hey look how far you've come and and that young person is still continuing mm. to make these tiny steps mm. and yeah it's it's just like Kyla said there's just so many of these little yeah. moments that you you try and record and you you write them down and I'm sure if anybody else heard about that in, um, you know, in isolation, they'd yeah. be like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> he bought a Coke. But it's like, no, you have to see yeah. the beginning of the journey to understand how significant this is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was lovely. Um, we're going to finish with the last question. And um, I think this is a really important question question but also a consideration that I imagine you all have to undertake as part of your work I'm really interested in what support you feel needs to be in place for the people who are delivering this work with the children and young people a, a lot of people who I'm imagining will listen to this podcast might even be teachers who are in the classroom with young people all day and I, I just I'm really interested to understand in, in your work how you put support in place for the people who are kind of the ones who have to always be there and deliver and know what to say next and, and make those welcoming spaces. For us, I'm always aware as somebody who works on the front line as well as um, working with other people in our organisation that we it's exhausting it's absolutely exhausting and I don't mean that in a horrible way to any of the people we work with but to actually be there uh, it, in a supporting role around well-being and you've got this you've got all these other layers on top so you're not going in and um, offering sort of a service of this is how I do something creative it's actually so much more than that and you know there's all these things to consider around safeguarding listening out watching how the dynamics are between your people picking on up if there are any issues that you might consider are going on for that young person or any disclosures I think out in the world of creativity we've never had an incident where somebody has disclosed to us something that we need to take any further however I'm always saying to myself and the people I work with that can happen today mm -hmm. and we need to know what to do we have um, a safeguarding policy mm -hmm. but, but you know it's almost like I think for us it would be great to almost work alongside other organisations say like Harley Sprung who will have had something far more developed than we've got and have more experience than us um, and almost have that 
peer mentoring support with the organisations around how do we safeguard the young people, but how do we safeguard ourselves as professionals? Because I think that this work is really specialist and we don't give ourselves credit for that enough. You know, we kind of, we don't recognise it in that way, but it, it means that a lot of people are struggling with their own mental health or I have long-term health conditions and I really try and push myself because I'm trying to do it for somebody else, you know, but actually if I'm struggling, then I can't be resourced for other people. So I think there's a whole layer out there that is missing or that we're all trying individually to sort of do, but there's nothing formalised that goes actually this is what you need to do. It's almost like we don't have managers above us saying this is a policy for your organisation. Or So there's something there for me. How we get the time to do that, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, even having these conversations now, it feels like there's something that needs to be said and moved on with that. So do you mean like a bit of process, a bit of like structural support and like how so as you're are you a, a CIC like us or yeah, yeah yeah so I I hear you yeah I think I think one of the biggest challenges is knowing what we need to have in place yeah. and you have all those things but actually when you are one person or or uh, it's very difficult so that sh structural support would be really great because um you know for for example like it it's in we I run workshops, you know, day in, day out. I do all the activities. So when do I get the time to build as an organisation? Yeah. And in actual fact, the funding that's available to build actually needs a full-time person on it because yeah. it's incredibly complex. Um, as a neurodiverse artist myself as well, it's it takes me twice as long to access any of those. So I think I, think I hear what you're asking now in terms of what do we need yeah. for that. Um, and I think you're right, protecting our own well-being is very important because if you're that exhausted that you can't do it then you, the, the only people that suffer is those young, young people mm. that are accessing your your service um, I think you have to know when to say no as well i think and you have to you, you pointed at before um, i think we all struggle with yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, you, you, you have to uh, yeah you have to know when to say no and you have to know when to redirect and um you know accept that you know there are you know statutory things in place that you know should be um taking care of, of certain issues and you know there are uh people out there who are contracted to take those roles on and i think understanding that and understanding where you can signpost people to where you can lead people to um rather than trying to take on the world yourself um it's it's very very easy to get drawn in isn't it with you know when someone has that trust in you because you've been working so well with them and they they come to you with a problem um so i think that's that's a, a big thing uh you know i i love my team and uh we have we try and do a meeting once a week and we'll do things called solution circles together within our team where we each kind of come to the table with something that we are looking to resolve and we share that with each other and just listen to each other um at grapevine it's all about reflection as well we get a lot of support from our our managers uh, regarding reflection and reflection mm -hmm. time and taking time to sit back uh, you know and and look at 
what's actually happening and celebrating little wins as well is huge Mm. if you've had a bad week if you've had a week where you had to cancel because of the rain or you know um the the message didn't quite get out or, or you know everybody got ill on the same day so you had to cancel the session or something like that there will be something within that week that was a little win and that's the thing that you need to focus on and that's the thing that you need to celebrate and point it out to each other if you're within a team make sure that you're pointing those things out to each other and you're kind of patting each other on the back that's lovely yeah Mm. and I think it kind of beautifully brings us back to the importance of partnerships and how important it is that we build networks to support the work that we're doing and it sounds like and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it sounds like there is already a growing network within the city that is doing that kind of work and and that makes me feel very positive about the future provision for our children and young people and the possibility that they have to grow in a city which will hopefully allow them to be themselves and to be the very best they want to be so yeah thank you so much for your incredible contributions today i'm really inspired by each and every one of you and i know that you do incredible work and i would absolutely ask everyone listening to go and find out more about these brilliant organizations in the city and maybe you have some young people who might benefit from working with them but thank you so much for today thank you thank you thanks thanks for listening to this episode of ccep's brilliant podcast we're here to spread the word bring people together through brilliant partnerships that create more opportunities for Coventry's learning and cultural sectors to work together to improve the quality of activity and extend the reach and impact of cultural learning for all children and young people. If you'd like to join us on our mission, you too can become a cultural champion, someone committed to working together to make sure that children and young people have access to arts and culture. To sign up to become a cultural champion or to find out more about CSEP, please visit our website at coventrysep.org.uk or subscribe to our newsletter or find us on social media across all the most popular platforms. To be the first to hear about the future episodes of this podcast, just search for CSEP's Brilliant Podcast in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe. And a big thanks to a brilliant Year 11 student from a Coventry Extended Learning Centre who created our podcast's music with the Coventry Music Hub. Music